Who's winning? Ukraine versus Russia. No one yet. Alright already, here's the long version. We're not even through the first quarter yet. Russia scored big at the kickoff, but couldn't hold out. Ukraine came back with a massive wave, taking the lead. But Russia went back to its old playbook and has started to gain yardage. It only took Russia three months to get a first down. If wars had nice, clean rules like football, we wouldn't still be sure whether or not they were doing well, who was doing well. It's too early in the game, and too much is going on. Now, that doesn't mean we can't read the scoreboard. Or notice that Russia had to mow it through its way through the defense just to gain a few yards. Impressive if you can do it, but not a great long game. Even if you are borrowing from Bear Bryant and have every player within 100 miles on your sideline, the grinding still takes a toll on your best players and eventually on your team. And yes, I'm both old and from Alabama. Deal with it. The fact remains, Ukraine is losing yards, albeit slowly. And defending a thousand miles of battle line is a lot more wearing than defending 50 yards of the line of scrimmage. It's also a dang sight more deadly. Wars eat through men as well as machines and ammunition. Football just eats through time, energy, and fan patience. Russia has more stuff. It's not all great stuff, but if it blows up where you need it to blow up, it's just fine stuff. Ukraine has more experience, a much better backer, and are perfectly comfortable rewriting the playbook in the middle of the game. Now, I'm a military expert only in someone else's delusions. My bailiwick is politics, especially political systems. There are aspects of both that take expertise to analyze, and I bow to the military experts of all stripes in all matters strictly military. I use their expertise to guide my own understanding because there is no true separation. At the end of the day, politics informs military and military informs politics. It's easier to get the chocolate out of the chocolate milk than to separate military from politics. Now that I've made all the military guys mad, let's see what politics tell us about this war. Quit guessing the time frame. It takes as long as it takes for the leadership to decide that the cost is too high. That decision can be made for them in the form of a coup, or it can be made more rationally. It'll probably be made by outside forces, or at least informed by them. But the time frame can inform us to an extent. Assuming that the West continues to support Ukraine, and that Ukraine continues to fight, Russia isn't on the best footing. Sanctions are just economic sieges. They take time to bite, but they can and do bite and bite hard. A long game isn't in Russia's best political or economic interest. So why continue? Because Russia is anticipating an injury on the NATO team. Russia's bet is that it can hold out throwing old Soviet stuff at Ukraine longer than NATO nations, especially Germany, can withstand the loss of Russian gas and oil. The problem with this is that NATO has the same playbook and is busily batting the heck out of its most vulnerable players. So, what happens if NATO fails to pad enough and winter comes? A lot of hustling to keep economies afloat and people warm. 
and likely an even greater resolve to wean off Russian anything. Russia is that jerk neighbor that announces he's going to chop down your tree and lets everyone know exactly when, and then is surprised as heck that the cops are already there. In its flailing around trying to scare other nation-states into submission, Russia has stirred up a hornet's nest. It is also announced loud and clear that it cannot be trusted. Welcome to Cold War 2.0. It remains to be seen, but it's looking like Vista more than XP. Mind you, this is going to hurt NATO, including the U.S., economically, for about two years, of which five months have already passed. That's a feature, not a bug. If we ever get to the point where warfare of any sort only hurts the other guy, we're going to be dangerously close to truly annihilating the planet. Economic sanctions should hurt us, to an extent. Otherwise, we'll impose them any time we're mildly annoyed. But the honest truth, as far as I can gather, is the recession at home is mostly self-inflicted and has nothing significant to do with the war. In Europe, the transition to other energy sources is going to be really painful, both economically and politically. Europeans aren't stupid. They are quickly realizing that their dependence on Russia and the pain it is about to cause comes from the bill of goods they were sold about green energy and saving the planet. Russia is hoping that will help destroy NATO. Ukraine is praying that it doesn't make Europe turn its back on them. Both are wrong. NATO is back big time. Europe is no longer under any delusions about trusting Russia. Europeans don't want a recession, but they want a Russian advance a whole lot less. And most are smart enough to realize that had they listened to Eastern Europe over the last couple decades just a little better... They wouldn't be in the mess now that they are in. Look, the clock is wonky, so we don't know when the first quarter will actually end, although it appears to be winding down now. Just in time for the second quarter and Ukraine's attempt to win the Heisman with 12 HIMARS. If you want to run to the concession stand, hustle. This game is running on its own time and is far from over.